It's now time to discuss more of those headlines and simple keywords with Adam, who is joining us over Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How was your weekend? It was uneventful. <laughs> okay. Sometimes uneventful weekends are good weekends. They certainly are. Uh, I took time to relax. I'm well rested now and uh, ready to go for a new week. All right. I mean, you look good. You look good. You look very well rested. No bags under your eyes. Looking fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, let's get started with our first keyword of the day. Financial pinch. Korea's financial authorities plan to expand liquidity supply programs to at least 50 trillion won as part of efforts to reduce the risk of defaults weighing on the economy. Uh, this is something that's going on all around the globe. Give us more details on the situation here in South Korea. Right. Well, Finance Minister Chugyeo will make the announcement right after uh, an emergency meeting with the central bank chief, as well as top financial regulators. The meeting came in response to increased concerns about a possible credit and liquidity crunch, uh, mainly stemming from a company that's involved uh, and a province involved in the uh, Legoland theme park. Um, now, the pledge marks one of the biggest rounds of financial support for markets since Korea expanded its uh, Emergency funds are to around 100 trillion won uh, to protect businesses at the onset of the pandemic. Um, Korea will resume purchasing commercial paper and corporate bonds from today, first injecting 1.6 trillion won from a 20 trillion won bond stabilization fund. Asset-backed uh, commercial paper related to real estate projects will be among the targets. The government will also raise the ceiling for corporate bond buying by such state-run banks as the Korea Development Bank and the Industrial Bank of Korea to 16 trillion won, double the current 8 trillion won. Um, the country's corporate bond and CP markets have recently been facing an increased risk of a credit crunch after a default on debt payment by the developer of the Legoland Amusement Park in Kangwon Province. Now, Kangwon Province said it would repay the project's 205 billion won of commercial paper uh, repackaging loans by the end of January next year. And Kangwon Province actually has just under half um, a percent stake in this uh, firm or this company that's uh, involved in this uh, theme park. Um, the default added to market unease, though, spurred by rapid interest rate hikes as the BOK uh, follow the Federal Reserve as well as the once depreciation and also a rising trade deficit as well. So there's a number of economic factors and concerns that have piled onto this concern. Um, and that's why the government and financial authorities are trying to take action in, in order to uh, avoid this kind of liquidity crunch, a financial crisis that uh, the country is facing at the moment. So the situation at the moment seems quite dire, hence that emergency meeting coming about. Right. And the second keyword is also related to the liquidity crunch. What is it? Chunse interest. Right. The interest rate for Chunse, which is the lump sum housing deposit system that is employed here in Korea. Well, the Chunse loans across major banks, the interest rate has surpassed 7%, which is adding a lot of pressure and burden to the public. So we're seeing a shift in the housing markets here in Korea as well. We certainly are seeing a shift in the housing markets. Uh, it's 
tons of loans have been kind of at the center of a lot of debate recently. Uh, a lot of them have died down. There's been a kind of a record low demand for them as well. So this is just piling on to that. Um, now, if we look at the numbers, the rates across major banks such as KB, Shinanpana uh, and URI came to between 4.540 to 7.057%. That's as of Saturday. That's a slight increase when compared to the end of September. But it's quite a big difference when compared to the end of last year, more than two percentage points difference uh, if we compare it to that time frame. Uh, variable interest rates, chance loans have also increased with the top bracket at 7.308%. Now, adding to concerns is the fact that the Bank of Korea may take another big step, so this half percentage point rate hike next month. That means variable rate loans will go up even further and most chance loans are variable rates. So if interest rates are increased, then those loan interest rates will also increase with it. Um, and that a lot of experts are saying that because of that, chance loan interest rates could go up to as much as 8% or above by the end of the year. And of course, if that happens, it will be the highest rate since uh, the 2008 financial crisis. Um, all this could lead to people opting out of the Tansai system and turning to basically monthly rent instead. Now, this Tansai system is a lump sum where you pay a lump sum to buy a, or, or rent a house and get that money back after a couple of years. That's kind of something that's been unique to Korea. Uh, it's not really seen in other uh, countries, but it is starting to die down slightly. Demand for it has gone down quite a lot. We can see a lot of gaps between the tons of prices and the actual sale prices of the property. Um, so we'll have to see uh, if this does mean a complete die-out of, of the chance loan system, which a lot of watchers have been anticipating or forecasting, but we'll have to see uh, how this plays out in the future. Right. And uh, last week, you also let us know that um, there were quite a few default on the Chanze as well, where the right. owners of the apartments could not return the lump sum to the renters. Right. Okay, uh, let's jump over to the third keyword of the day. Supreme Leader. China's President Xi Jinping has secured a historic third term as the Communist Party's leader and the country's leader. Cementing his place as the nation's most influential ruler since what some may argue is Mao Zedong. And uh, this basically sets him up for not just another five-year term, but maybe, you know, all some experts are saying 15 years of unhindered rule uh, coming up. Right. So this kind of seems to be a trend uh, when these big political events happened in China. Uh, Xi Jinping usually does cement his power even more through these. Um, and the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, elected Xi as its general secretary for a precedent-breaking five-year term on uh, Sunday. This kind of tilts the country decisively back towards one-man rule after decades of power sharing among its elites, although some uh, may argue that it is still... Uh, power sharing, but it is centered pretty much around Xi Jinping. Uh, Xi is now all but certain to sail through to a third term as China's president, but that is due to be formally announced during the government's annual legislative sessions in March next year. Uh, the CCP also named a seven-member Politburo Standing Committee led by Xi. Uh, it's in a circle of power dominated by the party's uh, leaders' allies. 
See, it's set the stage for an unprecedented third five-year term as president with constitutional changes in 2018. So something that he's pretty much set in motion a few years ago. Um, Xi emphasized the party's leadership in a new journey to turn China into a modern socialist country, according to uh, an official translation. Now, he said China could not develop in isolation from the world, but that the world also needs China. That's probably um, alluding to kind of the tensions that China's having with the US and the West. Uh, foreign businesses and investors, they've kind of turned cautious on China after Beijing's crackdowns on internet tech companies, as well as stringent COVID controls in the last two years. Now, the 20th National Congress this month was watched closely for its signals on how much C might consolidate his power. Um, now, the standing committee lineup is a further confirmation that Xi's grip on power is undiminished by the events of what has been kind of a tumultuous year in China. It includes a sharp economic slowdown, uh, frustration basically over uh, Xi's zero COVID policy, as well as China's increased tensions um, with the West as well. So we'll have to see how this plays out uh, in diplomatic and geopolitical fronts. Uh, but see once again, uh, gripping his power even more. Right. And we'll be uh, really dissecting this topic more in the second hour of our program with uh, Dr. Kim Byung-ju. So if you're interested in this topic, absolutely, please stay tuned and send us any questions if you're curious about the new historic grip that Xi Jinping has secured in China. All right, let's jump over to the fourth keyword of the day. Joint drills. Yes, so in recent months, there has been uh, quite frequent joint drills between uh, the United States and South Korea. And uh, we're continuing this time. We're expecting some uh, specialized airplanes uh, in the aerial drills that South Korea and the United States are planning. That's right. So last week, uh, four B-1Bs arrived in the U.S. territory of Guam for a bomber task force mission amid the looming prospects of a uh, North Korean nuclear test. In June, four Lancers traveled to Anderson Air Force Base there for a similar reason. Um, the U.S. 7th Air Force said the Lancers will partner with more allies for several training missions in the Indo-Pacific region this time, meaning they might take place in the joint drills. Now, starting October 31st, South Korea and the United States plan to carry out a large-scale aerial exercise formerly known as Vigilant Ace for a five-day run. It will feature some 250 aircraft, including the F-35A and F-35B stealth jets. And the B-1B may also be a part of that, although nothing has been confirmed. Now, the B-1B is one of three nuclear-capable strategic bombers of the U.S. Air Force. It is often actually flown to the Korean Peninsula in order to show off the U.S.'s extended deterrence when North Korea has stoked tensions, which it has done a lot recently. Um, as some have pointed out that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un would refrain from detonating another nuclear device so as not to disrupt that big uh, national congress in China, expectations are now running high over the possibility of the nuclear test because it has now ended and thus the u.s may send the bombers to the peninsula to deter any envisioned or envisaged uh, envisaged uh, provocation uh, by the north so we'll have to see um what developments are made 
uh, North Korean nuclear test. We've mentioned plenty of times on this segment that a lot of experts and watchers are saying that it's imminent. Nothing has happened yet. But of course, there are more signs that it may come very soon. Okay. And uh Turning the spotlight back onto the uh, South Korea-Japan issue, that's going to take us to our fifth and final keyword of the day. Forced labor issue. Japanese media are reporting that Seoul and Tokyo are discussing a plan for a foundation funded uh, by contributions from Korean companies to pay compensation for wartime labor to plaintiffs on behalf of the Japanese corporate defendants, basically taking private money to pay out the um, forced, the plaintiffs on the forced labor issue here. Uh, give us the latest here. Is it Has it been confirmed by the South Korean government? It hasn't, actually. The current, uh, Korean government has stressed uh, that nothing has been confirmed. These are just reports, and they are coming mostly from Japanese media, uh, which have cited diplomatic sources to make that claim. Uh, now, these media outlets say the plan was initially discussed by a public-private consultative body that was set up by the Korean government. Uh, Korea has reportedly explained the plan to Japan several times, and Tokyo apparently said it would accept they also report that Seoul has proposed that Japanese companies join South Korean companies in contributing to the foundation and apologize to the South Korean plaintiffs. Um, now, the report is so that's basically saying that private companies are going to be apologizing rather than the Japanese government itself. Now, the reported compromise deal follows Korean court orders for the liquidation of the local assets of Japanese companies to pay the damages. Uh, Japan maintains that all claims stemming from its colonial rule were settled under a 1965 bilateral agreement. There's also been tensions um, uh, with that argument as well. Uh, the Japanese reports suggest that the countries are aiming to settle the issue of the compensation um, by the end of this year. And they also report that the country's leaders could meet on the sidelines of international conferences to be held next month, such as the G20 summit uh, in Indonesia. Whether that issue may be discussed remains to be seen, but these are Japanese reports making such claims, um, and conservative ones at that mostly. Uh, the Korean government said nothing has been confirmed, but uh, the Yoon song administration has been, ever since the campaign, pledging to kind of better relate, uh, to get better relations with Japan. So. We can't rule it out just yet, uh, so we'll have to see uh, what developments are made on that front as well. Okay. Adam, thank you so much for your time and your reporting this morning, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.